This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, July 7th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. Ideological diversity ought to be something universities value, but newer screening mechanisms used by some schools stand in the way of living up to that value. Daniel Ordner is an attorney at the Pacific Legal Foundation. We talked about how many schools use diversity statements as a way of weeding out the undesirables. When universities sign on to have an environment of uh, academic independence, of uh, promoting the uh, scholarship of the people who are professors and and researchers there, um, what are they promising? What are, essentially, what are they promising in a, in a very real sense? Yeah, it, it, I think it's a guarantee that the environment will be one of open intellectual discourse and discussion. You know that ideas will be evaluated on their merits uh, without uh, interference, and the university will be a place where people can disagree. Uh, new ideas can come about. That, that's the promise, I think, of academic freedom and of the Constitution. To the extent that universities make these pledges in public, that is like a statement on a website, this is what these are the things we're committed to. They're in some sense like legally bound to some of those statements. Yeah, they can make uh, legally uh, binding guarantees of academic freedom. And there have been some lawsuits, I think, uh, even against private universities enforcing those guarantees. So when a university presents to a prospective professor uh, a document to sign pledging fealty to some uh, idea, uh, some particular idea about either diversity or uh, some other popular notion. Uh, what does that do to academic freedom? I think it means that professors don't feel free to do anything that goes against the, this this ideology of diversity. And right now, they're required to, uh, you know, with their application, submit a, a statement on their commitment to diversity. And they're being told, if you step out of line, if you say something that's contrary to our ideals, you're not going to get hired. And then it comes in at, at every point when you're going up for tenure, when you're going up for promotion, when you're going up for a merit raise. Uh, every single step, there's the question of, is your work consistent with our ideals of diversity, equity, and inclusion? And so at every step of the way, um, this ideology is being enforced against professors. Okay, so it's, it's sort of interesting that a commitment to diversity would actually reduce diversity. Yeah, I think it, it's, a, it's a paradox. This is a very narrow notion of diversity. And really, diversity is a code word for ra racial, um, gr you know, different racial groups uh, increasing the, the population of, of, of racial minorities. It, it's a, a well-known code word. That, that, that's what they're, they're going for. It's not in any other kind of diversity like intellectual thought or, or background. It's, it's really race-based. Okay. So why is it problematic that people would be asked to support uh, notionally, the idea of racial diversity. So I think it's it's not about diversity, really. It's about a forced vision of equity, where uh, it, it, uh, if you are uh, of the majority group, your, your views are taken, are, are denigrated, you're put down. It's really these ideas of CRT and anti-racism training at, at work, where you are given guilt for your race, where your views are, are put down um, and not not treated equally, ultimately. And so it's really a racist notions that are being enforced here under so the guise what, of equity. What evidence is there that that is what is in fact happening? I think if you look at the University of California, it's been the leader 
on these uh, DEI uh, initiatives. They have uh, a rubrics that they've put out of how these statements are being evaluated, where uh, there's a, a where awareness component where you have to express your fealty to these ideas. And they, they have in the rubric expressly, if you say something like, people should be treated only equal, equally based uh, without regard to their race, or I don't believe affinity groups or other uh, such things should exist because they, they denigrate people based on their race, you're going to get a low score and not get hired. And so they're baked into the rubrics the way that they're, they're grading these statements is an ideological commitment uh, and ideological fealty to these ideas. So to what extent have universities been held to account for, one, a commitment to uh, academic independence, uh, intellectual inquiry, free inquiry, uh, without uh, some sort of higher up making decisions for professors and a compelled support for these ideas if you want to be hired in the first place. Well, increasingly, and that's in one, one thing you, you, mentioned, you mentioned, the higher up people making the decisions, but actually increasingly what's happening, you have universities uh, hiring more and more diversity bureaucrats. Uh, in universities like UC Berkeley, the, the, the bureaucrats out, outnumber dramatically the, the professors. Um, and so you have more and more of the decisions coming from these bureaucrats. If you have a, a, now an academic search and there's not enough people of a certain race in the pool, the diversity bureaucrats are going to say, no, run the search again. We're not going to hire. We're not going to let you go forward to interview people because the certain, the pool is not what we want to see to, uh, in terms of racial diversity. So it's more and more, it's a top-down control. And unfortunately, professors are you know pushing back slightly, but there hasn't been an organized movement to, to oppose this. I have talked to professors who've been presented with these statements that they are asked to essentially sign their names to. And they say, I just ignore them. And that's fine as far as it goes, I suppose, if you're truly committed to uh, academic independence. But they're already professors. Right. <laughs> right. And, and the people that are doing that are the ones that are now not going to get hired. So you, the newer generation of professors are going to be even more in line on these ideas. It, it's uh, self-perpetuating. The more you hire only people that agree, the more it's going to become enforced as an ideology. So it, it's really... You know, once this current generation of faculty that maybe has some a position die, you know, go, dies out because they're mostly older, uh, you're not going to be replaced with ideological purists that are very committed to this ideology of, of, of racial essentialism. Where do we see these sort of prerequisite signatures uh, on these diversity statements? Yeah, is it public schools? Is it private schools? And to what extent have these schools otherwise made a public commitment to ideological diversity. I think you're seeing it at both public and private universities. UC has been on the, the cutting edge of this, uh, and that's a public school, but private universities are also pushing this uh, very aggressively. And I think all of these universities have you know, said that they com are committed to, ideolo committed to ideological diversity, they're committed to academic freedom. This is a fundamental principle of, of university, public, you know, private and private universities in the, in the country. So what does that look like going forward in terms of a constitutional challenge? I think that the way that schools like University of California are enforcing these statements where it's a, you have to say a certain, express a certain viewpoint or you're going to get excluded, that's really ripe for a challenge. Um, also, the impact this has on, on the freedom of research and freedom of thought of professors, where they're basically told up front, if you do anything that steps out of the line on, on the views we have on diversity, you're not going to get a promotion. You're not going to be able to, to advance. That is also susceptible to, first, susceptible to a First Amendment challenge. Should we expect to see one soon? I hope I hope so. Uh, the challenge is, of course, finding professors and uh, especially prospective professors willing to challenge it. So they really need people to stand up and say, "Enough! We're not going to take this." Um, and uh, 
I think, beginning to see that. So in order to have a credible challenge, you would need some prospective professor to be able to credibly argue, uh, but for my unwillingness to express this particular view, I would have been hired, something like that. Right. That's a, it's a challenge. I think what, one thing that's going on is schools like University of California are making it a little easier because what they're doing is they're saying in the first requirement for an application is a review of the diversity statement. And if you don't get a good score on your statement, you're going to be excluded immediately from consideration. That's all they're going to look at. And so I think those schools um, in the University of California and elsewhere that are using these statements as a first pass requirement, it's going to make it a lot easier to mount a challenge to them. Really, you just need brave people willing to stand up and to say, "I, I, I, I object. I dis, you know, this is 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 ultimately perpetuating racism. It's ultimately contrary to the Constitution," um, and uh, willing to fight. Daniel Ortner is an attorney at the Pacific Legal Foundation. We spoke in May. Subscribe to and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>